he does know God's will mm-hmm. and he, he wants to live within God's will. Right. But he wants his will more. Yeah. And he's unwilling to surrender what he wants for what God wants. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. Nick Hold is, by his own admission, a Why They Did That superfan. It just so turns out that we here at Why They Did That are fans of him too. Fans of how fully he lives his life, how faithful he is in setting aside his own wants and needs for the benefits of others, and how he leads his school and his classmates by example. The kingdom of heaven will be increased because of God's work through this young man. Of that much, I am sure. Unfortunately, I don't think I can say the same about today's character. If anything, what's inspiring about them is that they were allowed to live as long as they did. God's patience really is the star of their story. Balaam is a shocking excuse for a Christian, a false prophet, a greedy, selfish, vindictive, self-seeking, stubborn, whiny little excuse for a Christian. No, I I said I was talking about Balaam. I, I wouldn't say that about you. You said that only Balaam can do this. Mm. In reality, it's something that only God can do. Right. Only God has the power of blessing and cursing. Mm-hmm. But here Balaam begins to entertain the idea that he has this power too. Right. And Balak is also aware of the power that God has. Mm-hmm. As he says, look, a people has come up from Egypt. Think of all the things that has happened to Israel since yeah. they came from Egypt. And Moab knows that it, you know, it's coming next mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that the real linchpin is a spiritual battle and not right. a physical battle. So it makes sense that they turn to a prophet, right? which really is kind of the sad thing about uh, Balaam's story is that we know that at some point he genuinely did have a relationship with God. Right. And sometimes I think we take this office of, um, of being a prophet too lightly, you know, a, a prophet was the mouthpiece of God. Right. And when you think of, you know, even anatomically, the mouth and the connection to the mind, you know, it's almost, it's, it's symbiotic. You know, the mouth just speaks as the thoughts come. And I think that kind of illustrated the relationship that God wanted to have with these people that as, as the thoughts of God came, they would just speak and prophesy and inform the people of, of what the will of the Lord was. And yet here we find someone who is acquainted with God's will, but also really wants their own will to come to the right. forte. He does know God's will mm-hmm. and he, he wants to live within God's will, right? but he wants his will more. Yeah. And he's unwilling to surrender what he wants for what God wants. Right. And in the story, uh, that's kind of illustrated where um, it says in verse 10, Uh, Sorry, verse 9. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam says to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, have sent them unto me, saying, 
Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Uh, peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And so there, there still is this open communication right. between God and this prophet or, or fallen prophet, you could say. Um, but this really does give us an insight into this, uh, this struggle within. Right. And you can see that God's intro is also interesting. When, mm-hmm. he first, when he first gets in touch with Balaam, he says in verse 9, who are these men with you? Right. Now, I'm not sure if, you know, you've ever been asked a question like, who is that? Right. It almost gives the feeling like they shouldn't be there. Yeah. And these men shouldn't be there. Right. Because Balaam should have already had the answer for them mm-hmm. when they come with mm-hmm. this message. But instead, you know, he says, lodge here tonight. Stay the night. Yeah. Let's think about this. Let's mm-hmm. consider this. It's, it's on the table for Balaam. Right. He's considering it. Yeah. And that was his first mistake is that he uh, considered leaving God's will. Mm. He considered this, this rebellion. Right. He did. And the best moment for him to respond would have been immediately. And how often we have those same convictions where we're kind of propositioned with something that we know is contrary right. to God's word. But there is that thing within that's like, right. oh, but I, I would want to do that. Right. I would really like to do that. And so instead of, as you said, just being instinctive or as we would have seen perhaps in the life of Christ, you know, thus saith the Lord. He kind of right. dilly-dallies with, with temptation. Right. The Bible tells us to flee from sin, mm. but we like to crawl. Yeah. Slowly. In the hope that it will pull us back. Right. And uh, it's almost like Balaam is putting up a, a show of resistance and obedience mm-hmm. to God, and yet he wants to be overcome by right. his desires. Yeah. And I think we, we catch with Balaam, perhaps more than most characters in the Old Testament, um, a man who, who rarely uh, mixes his words up. He's very open about what he's experiencing and mm-hmm. about what he wants to do. Because that next morning, he, he says, he doesn't come to them and say, yeah, this is not a good idea. I'm not going to do that. He tells them, God won't let me. Right. Which is really fascinating that, that he allows us that kind of glimpse into his his thinking and his psyche. He's, right. He's essentially saying, I wish I could go. But, right. You know, I'm not allowed. And I think that he also thinks that God is not letting him, mm. but if God would let him, he would be able. Right. Yes. And I think that this is a little bit of the, this illusion of control and power that Balaam is hanging on to. Mm-hmm. Notice that he's re- pretty much repeated the messages that he's been given word for word to God. In verse 12, uh, or sorry, in verse 11, he says the message of Balak Mm -hmm. saying, look, a people has come out from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth. Come now and curse them for me, for perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. Notice how he leaves out the part that, you know, Balak originally said, whom Mm -hmm. you bless is blessed and whom you curse is cursed. Mm -hmm. Kind of doesn't mention that to God. Yeah. And the next morning he says to the princes of Balak, God won't let me. Mm -hmm. And at first, this seems like, you know, a pretty definite answer, maybe even a good answer. Mm-hmm. But was it really true? Right. It wasn't not only that God wouldn't let him. It says, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. Balaam can't curse them. Right. They're blessed by God. Mm. And yet Balaam doesn't want to recognize this fact 
to the princes of Balak. And so now the princes of Balak go back to Moab with the idea that God won't let him. Right. Not that Balaam can't do it. It's not merely that God won't let him. It's that it's wrong. It's a violation of the very covenant of God that he made with his people. A violation of his promises to bless them. Balaam falls short in the same way we often do. Instead of trusting in the word of God and his will for our lives, we venerate self. We carve golden statues of our own hubris while clinging to spiritual offices. What a shame to see the people of God claim his name and in the same breath, curse his character. This could have been such a witness to the princes of Balak as well. Right. You know, if if Balaam would have gone back to them saying, I cannot curse them because God has blessed them. Right. And no one can be cursed if they're blessed by my God. Mm. The princes of Balak, they would want to become the people of God. Right. The princes of Balak would be like, I want to become one of God's people because then I can't be cursed because mm. God is blessing me. Right. It would have given the people of Moab the impression that they should become the people of God. Yeah, it would be a testimony for sure, but it would also mean that Balaam would have to admit that he is underneath right. this God. He is subservient. Yeah. And he says here, God won't let me. Mm. And of course, when you hear when you hear something like, I don't know, but when I was a kid yep. and I heard other people say, oh, my mom won't let me go play with you. Mm-hmm. I would always think, oh, I wouldn't want to be that kid. Wow, yeah. And the princes of Balak are thinking, I wouldn't want to be God's people Mm. because God wouldn't let me do the things that I want to do. Right. In a sense, Balaam is painting the picture that God has him on a leash. Right. And so he has reversed in Moab's mind Mm. the picture of God. Wow. And as we see throughout this story, this is Balaam has now put the ball in God's court Mm. for God to vindicate his name. Yeah. To reach the princes of Moab because what he wanted to accomplish through Balaam to show the picture that he is a loving God that blesses his people. Now Balaam has reversed that picture and this is where we kind of see the contention between God and Balaam. And what what I find really interesting just thinking that through is that Balaam, although not an Israelite by birth, he kind of is a good symbol Mm -hmm. of what this nation has and will become in that they're so full of promise and and connected to God and strong and they were meant to be the medium by which God blessed the world. Yet the portrayal of the God that they claim to believe in was never really truly accurate. Right. And I wonder how often we we fall into these, these pits of battling against what God's will truly is in the presence of those that are looking to see, okay, what does this relationship look like? Because when we invite people to to the church or more so when we invite people to Christ, what they're really going to be looking at first and foremost is not necessarily doctrines and belief, right. but how is this relationship that you say you have with a, with your God how is it affecting who you are as a person? You know, is it, right. is it, is it making you a better person? You know, this, this kind of moral argument, does it make you happier? Does it make you feel more fulfilled? Does it make you, is it an attractive thing? Right. 
and to the Moabites looking at Balaam's re- relationship with God. There's no attraction. Yeah, he makes he makes him he comes across as oppressed when all God is saying is you you're breaking the rules. Like you can't just go ahead and undo things that I've done. Right. But it it's such a poor witness and I think for myself how many times have I been in situations where God has has brought people to my doorstep. Mm. And I've just, because of my own selfish desires and because of, you know, what I wanted to happen or what I wanted to gain, I end up not just not being a witness, but being a really poor one. Right. And, you know, destroying the image of God Mm. rather than, you know, replicating it before people. And I think that, you know, as this scene of contention is being put up to, it's important to note that God is trying to bless Mm. and Balaam is trying to curse. Right. And that's what they're at odds over. Mm. And so, you know, the people of Balak, they don't want to be, you know, Christians because they see that Balaam, who is a follower of this God, wants the world and yet can't have it. And so Balaam shows the princes of Balak that what they have is better. Mm. than what God is willing to give. You see that that translates in verse 16, the princes of Balak take this message back to their boss, Balak, and they say, Balaam refuses to come with us. So Balak begins to see that God is not the thing that is pushing Balaam forward, Mm -hmm. the thing that is powering Balaam, the thing that... God is not the God of blessings. He's the mm. God of, you know, withholding. Mm. And so Balak and Balaam both start to see God as an obstacle. Right. So here we now see Balaam and Balak are on the same team. God is an obstacle that is getting in the way of them being able to mm. curse Israel. Wow. And so Balak knows just what he needs to do to overcome any obstacle. Mm-hmm. More motivation. Balaam is wanting to enjoy a life that is worldly mm. at this point. Yeah. He's wanting to enjoy his life on earth. And the life of a prophet on earth during this time is not pleasant. Mm. You know, God's prophets were not rich. Right. They're not very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the illusion and the, uh, sorry, the allure mm. of power and riches is something that Balaam doesn't know what to do with. Mm. And as he sees the ante going up, the stakes getting higher, his desire increases, mm. you know, exponentially. And he's wanting to enjoy his life because he has let go of his purpose. Yeah. And Balaam knows the result of not having God in his life. Mm. He's, he's, I'm sure, given it enough, you know, messages of God mm. to know what happens to the people that God is trying to call back. But eventually, you know, God, God, you know, lets the, these punishments that these people are bringing on themselves, he lets them happen because he can't protect people who aren't in his will. Mm. Balaam knows this and he knows that, you know, he will suffer for being outside of God's will. So he tries to make both of them fit. He wants the world and yet he wants the blessing of God anyway. He wants God to condone his sin. And you see that in verse 19. He again entertains these people, even though he's already received an answer. You know, he says, even though 
Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the Lord my God to do any less or any more. But let me check again. Mm. Now, therefore, please, you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Now, I think God was pretty clear the first time. You would imagine so. Right. And this shows that the problem is not God's answers to us. Mm, when, okay. we're, when we're wanting his will, the problem is not God's answer. He is clear. But a lot of times God presents us with his will and we like to do further research. You know, for instance, we, you know, may have a prayer, God, where would you like to send me? And God, you know, answers, gives us an answer, North Korea. I'm like, okay, I'll pray about that. Mm -hmm. And yet we've already received an answer. Right. We try to do further research because we're like, oh, you know, it's not really what I want to hear. So I'm going to wait for an answer that I like and do yeah. that one. Wow. Maybe God's will is like a multiple choice. So Balaam goes again. He checks, he checks in with God and God is merciful. And he comes to Balaam again in verse 20. Mm -hmm. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men come to call you rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak that you shall do. And I think this is interesting because I always wondered, did God change his mind? Mm -hmm. This is clearly a different answer than God gave the first time. Right. But remember that Balaam and God at this point are not really able to work with together. Yeah, they're not because, on the same page. Because Balaam is wanting to do something different than God is mm -hmm. trying to get him to do. And so now God has to reverse the picture of himself that Balaam has already twisted before the people of Moab wow. to show his true character. Mm. The second commandment forbids the making of any graven images of God because God was never meant to be seen in stone or wood. He was meant to be seen in us, his people. You and I were meant to reflect the image of God for the rest of the world to see you do have to wonder, how often does God have to work to undo the messes that we've made? We'll see just how much when we come back. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. If you've listened to the second season of Why They Did That, you'll recognize our sponsor for this episode. Types and Symbols, the creators of the Conflict Beautiful series, is happy to introduce a new beautiful set that they call the Life and Light Collection. Types and Symbols set out to create the most beautiful and readable edition of Steps to Christ, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, and Christ Object Lessons ever made. Each component of these beautifully created books was implemented with specific meaning and purpose, from the holographic foil detail to the cover design. Just as with the Conflict Beautiful series, the Life and Light collection follows the same editorial philosophy to promote an enjoyable reading experience. To stay updated on when this will be released, make sure to follow their Instagram at Types and Symbols. Do it now, quick. A Christian without a Bible is like a soldier without a sword. 
You can't win a battle like that. So we would like to introduce you to Humble Lamb Bibles. Humble Lamb's goal is to present the Word of God in a way that compels people to read it and thus connect with God more intimately. They make wonderfully crafted premium Bibles filled with cross-references, beautiful annotations, and many more built-in study tools. In addition to their King James Lion Bible, they are now excited to offer the new King James Shepherd Edition in a variety of beautiful colors. And get this, for every Bible they sell, they give another Bible away for free to those who can't afford one. And you can actually get 20% off when you use the code WTDT when you check out at HumbleLamb.com. far cry from who he should be. He's, at best, a false prophet, but he really wants to curse God's people, not necessarily because he hates them, but because there's gain in it for him. And that's the whole crux of motivation right there. Why do you do what you do? For the gain or for the kingdom? And what we find with Balaam now is that he's passed up this opportunity to learn through instruction, and now he's going to have to learn through experience. Right. And he's going to be used, which is what he was hoping for in the first place, but the whole thing's going to come tumbling down and backfire on him, and he's going to wish that right. he just did what he knew he should have done at the beginning. And... I think this is important to realize is God has created each one of us for a purpose, mm. but God's will will be accomplished. Mm. God's will will happen. And his original intentions may not be fulfilled in our lives. His original purpose for which he creates for us may not be fulfilled because we also have our own will, our own free will that he's given to us. Mm. He won't force us to do anything. And yet, a lot of times we wait for God's allowances that he makes so that his will may still be accomplished. And we confuse that for his original will. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, I'm sure Balaam likes God's second answer better than his first answer. Wow. And yet it was not God's original intent for Balaam. It was not Balaam's purpose. And it was not where Balaam would have been happiest. And so immediate obedience is the only way in which we can find God's, God's true original purpose for us. And a lot of times we get used to waiting for his allowances. Mm. So when we hear answers that may kind of hurt, we wait on, we wait for the allowance because we know that eventually it'll come. Mm. You know, eventually God's, God's going to kind of bend. And although God never changes, he allows us to do our, our own will. If that's what we choose, but yeah. it does not mean that that was God's will. Mm. God's permission is not his will. Mm. And you notice in verse 20 as well, he says, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak that you shall do. Mm -hmm. And then in verse 21, it says, so Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. There's no mention of them coming again yeah. to get him. He's just the slightest indication of God's permission. He goes. In verse 22, we see then God's anger was aroused because he went 
And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And so we see here, this is the third time that God confronts Balaam. Yes. And there's a sense of finality here. Mm. Um, usually by the time something is done three times, you should get the point. Right. It's, it's final. This is the final confrontation between God and Balaam mm-hmm. of whose will is going to be fulfilled. Right. And obviously Balaam is not... You know, it's easy to confuse that maybe maybe Balaam and God kind of made up and compromised in the middle, but you can see that Balaam's will is still clearly against God's will because God's anger was aroused. Yeah. Balaam's still not getting it, what God's trying to do. Right. And so the angel of the Lord took his stand as an adversary against him. Now we have clear language yes. of of confrontation. Yeah, there's definite opposition. Right. What I find so interesting about this this battle of God's will versus our will is that so often when we are in these situations where we are unsure, you know, what is it that God wants? And I don't think that Balaam is unsure. Right. But I think the vast majority of people at, at one point or another, we are unsure as to, man, what is God really doing? And so what we do is we, you know, yes, we look for maybe some direction in the word and and we wait for certain convictions to come. But what's usually a surefire sign for most of us is that God's will is being revealed through God opening different doors and opportunities. We say opening doors, but, you know, opening opportunities mm-hmm. for us whereby we can see, okay, look, here's the providence of God. This must be what he wants. In this story, God is very clearly revealing his will through shut doors. Right. He's closing various opportunities for Balaam to go ahead um, to indicate to him, look, this is this is what I don't want you to do. But shut doors don't really seem to matter too much to Balaam. Right. You see that in verse 23. It says, now the donkey that Balaam was riding mm-hmm. saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand. Mm. That's a shut door. Right. If ever there was one. If ever there was a shut door, that is a shut door. And the donkey turned aside and went out of the way into the field. And so here Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Mm. And, you know, we laugh uh, at Balaam. It's easy when the desire is not there for us. And when there's nothing on the table for us, Mm. for us to see God's will. Mm. It's super clear when we are not matching God's will against our will. But here, the problem is not that God's will isn't clear. You know, it's interesting that you know, Balaam's kind of posse is him on his donkey and two servants. And God chooses to reveal himself to the donkey mm. to show that it, his will is not hard to see. Wow. The donkeys are, you know, donkeys are commonly considered the most thick skulled creatures mm. on the planet, the most stubborn, you know, kind of like the hardest to reach. Yeah. And God says, the donkey can see my will mm. and you can't. Wow. And, we see this, you know, world of God opening and closing doors to show his will. We see a closed door. And instead of saying, this must not be God's will, we take a sledgehammer. We knock it open and we say, oh, great. God opened the door and <laughs> yeah. we walk on through. Like maybe he just didn't build it strong enough. Right. He wanted to test my determination right. to see if I could get through. And in actuality, we know that this was not right. what he wanted to do. But this, this donkey really is, is kind of symbolic of where Balaam is in his right. life right now too. Right. As you can see, Balaam could put himself in God's shoes mm. where he has, you know, a creature 
that is serving him of significantly lower intelligence. Mm -hmm. And this creature is taking a different path than Balaam wants this donkey to take. Yeah. And yet the donkey is actually following God's will. Mm. So in a way the, the donkey is a type of Balaam, but also the exact opposite because even the donkey is able to discern God's will. And you know, in verse 25, it says, and when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, this is for the second time, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again, Mm. you know, go ahead and smash through another door. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, there's shut doors and then there's doors that are being like shut on your foot. Right. And, and are starting to inflict pain. Like, are you not getting the message? It's really increasing. And then the third time, verse 26, and the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way Mm. to turn to the right hand or to the left. It was not possible Mm. for Balaam to continue. Mm. This was the ultimate closed door. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. Mm. And so now we see the donkey and Balaam have confronted three times, just as God and Balaam have confronted three times. And the the donkey sits down because the donkey realizes there's no way around this one. Mm. And Balaam's still trying to, you know, kind of beat the donkey forward. And I think if anything, what this is, is actually telling us is God's will is not difficult to comprehend. Mm-hmm. It's not difficult to understand. And I think the difficulty comes not so much in discerning the will of God as much as it is submitting right. to the will of God. Right. Because... I know that if I'm in a difficult situation and God is of course all knowing of this situation, that if he really wanted to give me all the answers, if he did, if he really wanted to, to show me all that I thought I needed, he would, he would make that plain. And many times he has, but really, as we've discussed throughout this episode, the, the part that we need to play is is that of humbling ourselves to accept that sometimes and always for our benefit, God's will may not be our will. Right. And, you know, God opens the mouth of the donkey. Mm. The donkey speaks to Balaam and says, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me. Mm. I wish now there were a sword in my hand for now I would kill you. Wow. And it's interesting that Balaam here says that he's the one that's being abused mm. as he's striking the donkey. Wow. And you can see that Balaam is now completely in his own world. Mm. His motivations could not be clear. The only thing that matters is him. That's why he's not listening to God's will. Not because it isn't clear, but because his will is more important. And what a fall from grace. Like when you think of a prophet, you think of someone that spoke on behalf of God. And now Balaam's in a situation where it's easier for God to use a donkey to speak. Right. Than to get Balaam to say what he actually wants right. him to say. And this must be pretty humiliating mm. for the for Balaam because his mantle as the mouthpiece of God has shifted from himself to the donkey. Wow. 
and he wants to kill this donkey. Now he wants to kill God's mouthpiece mm. because he doesn't want to hear God's will anymore. He wants to cut it off. And, you know, the donkey is clearly innocent as seen in verse 30. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, no. So he sees that there's a reason for what the donkey's doing. Mm. And then verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed his hand and fell flat on his face. So Balaam now recognizes that he's been blinded by his own will. Mm. He sees the angel of the Lord and he realizes kind of this picture of what is being typified here. Mm. What is going on? He sees himself. It doesn't necessarily mean that he, he listens and accepts this, but he does see it. Mm. And the angel makes it very clear to this, this illustration of him and the donkey when in verse 32 and the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have also killed you by now and let her live. Mm. So when Balaam said, if I had a sword, I would kill you to the donkey. Now he sees the angel of the Lord with a sword. And the angel of the Lord says, if you would have come any closer, I would have killed you. Wow. You know what this tells me, Nick? When we, when we come to that place of neglecting the will of God in favor of our own, the only thing at the end of that road is frustration. Mm-hmm. The only thing at the end of that road is extreme dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. And the only thing at the end of that road is pain, pain that's going to eventually bring us to this realization that we have been fighting against God himself. Mm-hmm. And I think this really does typify where God's people will end up at the end, at the end of time. Right. We'll either be in a position where we have been used by the spirit of God, right. where we have been his mouthpiece, or we will stand before those that the Lord himself is protecting from us. Right. With him saying to us, if you had gone any further in your rebellion, I would have had to strike you down myself. Right. And that, that really speaks to me, Dean, which side are you going to choose to be on? Because the great battle at the end of time is going to be exactly that between my choice to follow God's will or my choice to follow my own will. And the reality is that here we have a man that at one point was so close to God. And now in the eyes of heaven, there is, as you said, a stubborn headed donkey that bears more righteousness than this former prophet. Right. And I think that that's very, very sad that it says the Lord has come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. Mm. Here it shows that God is telling Balaam, your will and my will, they don't match. Yeah. You're trying to make them match. You're trying to make them fit together where my way and your way are agreeing, but your way is perverse before me. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to make a decision. You submit to my will or you go, you go your own way. And this yeah. is not the picture of Balaam's, you know, happy dreams that mm-hmm. he imagined of a house full of silver and gold. Mm-hmm. He has a smashed foot, you know, a donkey that won't obey him that has taken his, mantle of being the mouthpiece of God 
and he's clearly having, you know, some serious discussions that his will is, is wrong. In verse 35, mm-hmm. the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Mm-hmm. Here, Balaam realizes that he's not going to be able to curse God's people, that he's going to say something different mm. than he wants to say because he's not able to curse God's people. Right. And um, not only that, but he's also fallen out of God's will. Mm-hmm. So now he's not fulfilled his own will and he's not fulfilled God's wow. will. And we can't fulfill our own will. This picture of happiness that we want apart from God's will will not be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. We are not happy away from God's will. We can only be happy in God's will. But if we choose not to be happy in God's will, we won't be happy at all. Balaam is in that really strange position of knowing exactly what the Lord's will is in his life, yet wanting the complete opposite. The logical thing then is to just leave God, right? Forget him. Go and live the life you've always wanted. This is the problem with half-hearted, rebellious Christians. It's not that their Christianity is half-hearted. It's that their rebellion is. I think you'd find that if you just went for it, if you were just honest with yourself and God that you were a lukewarm Christian at best and a hindrance to the kingdom at worst, you might actually find yourself in a place where you see just how much you need God. But when we dilly-dally with Christianity while allowing our own sinful desires to reign supreme, not only do we damage our own souls, but we confuse the onlookers from the world. The ones that were meant to look at us and see God, instead, they look at us and think, if, if they're a reflection of their God, then their God must have schizophrenia. Balaam is just that. He's a loser. A selfish, fake Christian who can't let go of his title because he thinks it means something. It means nothing. It's time we let go of who we were and come face to face with who we are. An honest heart is the only one that truly hears the voice of God. Although I think... This is an extreme example. I have never been asked to curse another nation, but I have been asked by God to do things all the time. Mm. And a lot of times they're not things that are explicitly stated in the Bible, like this request that comes to Balaam. They're decisions, life decisions. Mm -hmm. What my purpose is, what what God's purpose is for me. Like forks in the road. Right. Uh, Decisions of where we should travel in our future. Mm. And for me, especially at this age, I have had, you know, so many decisions like Mm, that. Yeah. And one of the biggest questions that people my age have is what is God's will for me? That's one of my biggest questions. What is God's will for me? I search in the Bible looking for answers. And often I don't, I don't find them. Mm. Not because they're not there, often because I don't want to. Wow. I, uh, you know, perfectly apply the answers that I'm okay with. But, you know, when it comes to career choices, um, I felt at the beginning of my um, years, I graduated from high school Mm -hmm. with the mindset that I wanted to live a life that I would enjoy. Mm -hmm. 
that was kind of my main priority. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to, you know, be respected, be liked, be loved, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, have enough money to do things I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, get married to someone that I wanted to marry. And I had someone in mind in particular at this point. Mm -hmm. And it really required a reconversion for all these things for me to realize that a lot of these things were not God's will for me. And especially there was this girl that I was very good friends with Mm -hmm. and uh, we were very close and she was a very solid Christian young woman. Uh, She was much more solid Christian young woman than I was. And she was being led by God. Mm. And I thought since she is, you know, a good godly Christian uh, woman and I am obviously a godly Christian young man, even though at this time I was really kind of at odds with God. Mm-hmm. I thought this is obviously God's will. Right. Makes it, is sense. Not, it is not good that man should be alone. And I wanted to pursue a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the, you know, right place. Did you know that at the time? I did. And I didn't recognize it. Mm. I... I was compliant, but my desire was not compliant. Mm. I knew that I knew that I couldn't like, like Balaam knew that he couldn't curse God's people. I knew that I couldn't, um, start a relationship and be happy Mm. that this, that God was kind of saying no, but I kind of entertained the idea and it seemed, it seemed up in the air for a while, legitimately. Mm-hmm. She was uh, very godly, but I had not yet discovered God's purpose for my life. Mm-hmm. And I was ignoring God's purpose, especially his call for me to become a pastor. And I didn't want to be a pastor. What did you want to do? I, I would love to have started a business, mm-hmm. made some money, worked with you know nonprofits on the side. So I gave away a lot of my money. Uh, so I'd be good and yet be satisfied and comfortable at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that I could, you know, be doing great things for God, but not at any personal sacrifice of my own. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, work without it hurting. Instead of, you know, digging a ditch for God, I would have driven the bobcat. (laughs) And this was really what I was wanting to do. Mm -hmm. And as God kept showing me these things, he showed me, you know, what my purpose was. And uh, this girl that I was, I was good friends with, she was also discovering her purpose as well. And I was beginning to see that we were going in different directions mm-hmm. and that God was leading us in different directions. And this was kind of my final thing that I had to surrender to God. Everything else, I had eventually surrendered to him. I had eventually listened. It had taken a while, but everything else, I had accepted God's will in my life. And this was my last decision. Why do you think this was so hard? Because I think it affected me the most. Mm. Career is a a big decision that affects you greatly. But when you, when you like someone that you are very close with, it is hard to see any other. It is hard to see any other direction Mm. than for your will to be done. Right. And I was, I was not saying God's will. I was saying mine. Mm. And I was using God's, bat, God's verses 
Like I was using the Bible to battle God. <laughs> I would take Bible verses and, um, you know, quotes from Adventist home and uh, just different Bible verses throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. It is not good that man should be alone. Two are better than one. All these different examples to prove to God mm-hmm. why this relationship was good. And, you know, God started, you know, replying with things. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Oh. And I was finding conflictions within God's word. Mm. Not because God's word contradicts itself, but because I was using these verses in a way that God was not trying to convey his message to me in that way. I was twisting God's things to try to open doors that were being closed. Um, She was moving away from where I was. So I was trying to open that door by getting us in the same location again. Mm. And, you know, so many, so many doors were, were closing and I kept, I kept shoving them open. Mm. And I realized one evening I was, I was walking, listening to scripture. And I realized that I was not listening to God. And I was actually listening. I was the part of scripture I was listening to was Numbers chapter 22. Mm. And I realized that this was me. I was, you know, using something that could be mistaken for God's will, a mission, a spiritual mission that I had. And I was using God's own words against him and trying to open doors that God was closing. And it took me a while, but I eventually had to realize God's purpose for my life. And I had to accept the fact that this relationship was, was not going to happen. Mm. And uh, she could also realize this and she was much more mature about it than I was. And, um, I think she realized it a lot, a lot sooner than I did too. And, um, as, as God led us in different directions, I regained a sense of peace. Mm, Okay. Realizing that I was now fully surrendered to God's will. And this is the problem that we have with hearing God's voice. It's not that we can't find answers in God's word, but they're not the answers we want. We want to fight God and bend his will to be our own. And I want to do this all the time. I want God to be my servant and me to be his master. I want myself to be over his purpose for me. And I'm never truly satisfied. I'm always trying to gain more and realize my own will and trying to fulfill God's at the same time. And I think in the end, it really comes down to the question. We, are, we will all, we, all be confronted with a fork in the road where two things will be presented to us. We will see God's will and we will see our own. And will we want God's will enough that we will sacrifice our will? Sometimes they match, but oftentimes they don't. And that's the hardest thing. Can I listen to God's voice even when it disagrees with my own? Is God more important to me than anything else in my life? Am I willing to die that Christ could live in me? And a lot of times I'm not. God is wanting to give me purpose. He's wanting to make me happy. God wants to bless. And I want the curse. Because with the curse comes some of the things that... I I desire that are special Mm -hmm. to me and yet I want God to bless me in being cursed 
and the logic is not there. I think that God wants what's best for us, and we can always see the way. God tries to lead us through paths that may be painful to us, Mm. where we have to let go of things that are important for us on the way. And are we willing to trust God enough that he will live up to his word, that he has everything supplied for us? Do we believe that his answers are enough? Or do we try to add our own answers in between the lines, kind of fill in the blanks for God? Mm. Are we really recognizing God as our God? Or are we really our God using his will to build our own? that hath an ear, let him hear. And you've just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or hearken back to a previous episode, you can find us at whythedidthat.org. We would love it if you could subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could go as far as leaving a review, that would be amazing. You can follow us on your favorite social media accounts, Facebook or Instagram, at why they did that. And of course, YouTube, where you can actually watch this episode now as well as listen to it. So make sure to check that out too. Finally, if you would like to support this podcast and keep it running, please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash WTDT. This show was produced by the supremely talented Paul Keefe and the video editing by Jonathan J.J. Jensen. And a special thank you to everyone else on the Why They Did That team. Once again, I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That.